It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. This is Robert Arnold, Executive Director of Chatterbox Audio Theater. Tonight, Chatterbox once again returns to 91.1 WKNO Memphis and 90.1 WKNP Jackson for an evening of terrifying tales, all original and all performed live on the air. The hour has arrived. Night is falling. Our performers stand at the ready. Before we begin, however, a brief word of caution. In our performance tonight, we seek very sincerely to frighten. The stuff of nightmares is potent and intense. So, too, are tonight's stories. These tales are not intended for the faint of heart or the easily upset. Those who do not wish to risk sleeplessness are advised to proceed with caution. Still listening? Excellent. In that case, take a deep breath, settle in, strengthen your resolve, and we will begin our descent. Happy listening, and happy Halloween. Witch Not Want Not by Deborah Hyatt Are you ready? Just step on the doormat. But... Brace yourself. (laughs) Isn't that fantastic? Oh, it's the worst one yet, Sarah. I love it. Me too. The kids hate it, of course. Oh, Don, remember how excited Katie and Jason used to get at Halloween? Now they won't even wear costumes. Teenagers don't want to play dress up. I know, but... But we can still have our fun. We'll fire up the fog machine. And the dancing skeleton in the tree? An army of skeletons, if you want. We'll be the scariest house in the neighborhood, just like always. We will, won't we? Meg was already saying she'll have to buy a barrel of candy to treat all the kids who show up. But that Miss Godwin, I just know she's going to pop up at any minute to lecture me. Again. Don't let that old loon get to you, Sarah. We love Halloween, and that's what matters. Trick or treat, right? You bet, honey. Trick or treat. (laughs) Mom, does a doormat have to do that? Yes, it does. (sighs) Go. Orange glitter spray, green food coloring. Okay, okay. I hate Halloween. Hello, my dears. Good morning, Miss Godwin. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's dreadful. Let me move that for you, Miss Godwin. Sarah, why would you want such a thing? It's Halloween, Miss Godwin. Well, it's enough to give a God-fearing woman a heart attack. You really should consider your soul, my dear. My soul is just fine. But come on in. I'm, I'm making treats. My, my, you have been hard at work. Oh, only eight dozen cookies so far. Do try one of the ghosts. The white icing is vanilla and the green ones are mint. 
or eat a witch. They're cinnamon. Eat a... Oh, no! No, thank you. Sarah, I shouldn't have to remind you that Halloween is a religious event. It's All Hallows' Eve. All Saints' Eve. Halloween is just for fun these days, Miss Godwin. It's not about welcoming good spirits or fending off evil. It's a night of silliness. Besides, the kids just love it. Well, the kids, as you call them, seem to be getting older every year. Yes, they do that. Don't you get snippy with me, Sarah. You know what I mean. It's not like when your children were babies and you and Don walked them around the block. There are more children every year. Cars everywhere and teenagers. Loud, rude boys and girls showing up at all hours. Coming here because of this house. Because of these ridiculous decorations and doormats and cookies. Now, Miss Godwin, there's no need to get yourself worked up. You disrespect the saints. Okay, now that's enough. Disobey the laws of God. Bring trouble to the neighborhood. You need to stop. I would hate to see evil come upon you. Miss Godwin, please stop talking. Yes, you and your family. Shut up. You mean-spirited, narrow-minded old biddy. Just shut up. Oh, Sarah. Miss Godwin, I am sorry. I, I shouldn't have. But we cannot keep having this conversation. Oh, it's ridiculous for us to fight like this, two grown women. And neighbors for years. That's true. And you've always tried to be here for us. I have. Of course you have. Like when Gwen's boy was killed by that hit-and-run driver? Oh, that was sad. You brought a casserole. And when Meg's stepdaughter broke her ankle skateboarding in the street, you needed a cover for her cast. Well, I do try to do the right thing. But Halloween night, I don't mind the little ones, but those big ones, those loud, rude boys and girls that so, show up so late. Now, Miss Godwin, we've discussed this before. Whenever you've had enough, just turn out your porch light. Kids know not to visit a house with no light on. Really? Yes, really. I promise. <laughs> Hello, my pretties. Oh, what have we here? A princess and Batman. Trick or treat. I'm Batman. It's Mina, Sarah. <laughs> I see you there, Patty O'Rourke. Here are treats for each of you. Thanks. Whoa, candy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Trick or treat. Oh, my! A sailor and Captain America and a scarecrow. How edible. I mean, how adorable. <laughs> oh, that dreadful noise. Trick or treat! I'm Batman! It's me, Miss Godwin. I'm a princess! Oh, my! What have we here? A princess and a Batman. Here you go, children. One piece for each of you. Uh, thank 
Now, to be sure, you say your prayers tonight. I would hate for the devil to come carry you off if you should die in your sleep. Ah! Oh, I didn't mean to frighten the little dears. <laughs> that dreadful noise. Let's just see how my soup is growing. I'll just turn that down a bit. Oh, thank you, my little kitty clock. Yes, I see you up there swinging your tail and counting out the seconds. Tick tock, tick tock, eight o'clock, eight o'clock. Time to turn off the porch light. No more trick-or-treaters tonight. have dozed off. Ten o'clock. My, my, I need to wash these dishes. Oh, Jason, quit bumping into me. It's the old lady's busted up sidewalk. Hey, <laughs> come on. Let's see if Godwin has any candy left. But her light's out. So? You gonna let that stop you? <laughs> no. Act like a ghost or something. <clears throat> Ooh. How about a little ding-dong part of that old ding-a-ling? Who is that? Who's out there? Trick or treat, we're so sweet. Give us something good to eat. Who's there? Boo! Oh. oh, who are you? Jason, I can see her through the side window. She's right there. Okay, you old bat. Get ready for a little... Jiggle the doorknob. Halloween fun. <laughs> Go away! Get away from my house! Go away, whoever you are! Don't you like trick-or-treaters? <laughs> don't you have something yummy for us? I'll call the police if you don't go away. We want candy. Candy! I'm calling the police. I'm calling them right now. J Jason, I can't see her anymore. Oh, man. Maybe she's really calling the cops. So what? She probably calls so often, they just ignore her. Besides... <laughs> Even if they drive by, we won't be anywhere they can see us. <laughs> Miss Godwin, you forgot to lock your door. That's okay. We'll lock it for you from the inside. What are you doing? Are you coming or not? Uh, yes. <laughs> Dormat really is annoying. Fog machine's off, honey. 
Don, did you see Jason or Katie out there? <laughs> it's not even 11, Sarah, and Halloween night. Let them have their fun. But I've been texting them for over an hour. Well, they probably have their phones turned off. Jason said they might catch a late-night movie. If they don't call or text by midnight, I'll drive over and look for Jason's car. Sure. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Oh, Kitty, just like you, I am watching the time, too. <laughs> Any minute now. Any minute now. Oh, Katie, good. You're waking up. You too, Jason. I do hate having to drug children, but you too were so impatient to come inside. Now, children, I know those stitches aren't the neatest, but if you tear them out, I'll only have to sew your mouths shut again. <laughs> Settle down, you two. It's almost time. Almost time. Midnight. The witching hour, my dears. Oh, my sweet puss. Come down off that shelf. Children, are you paying attention? Good. Now it's time for my Halloween fun. <laughs> going on? What is this? Why is there a police car at Sarah's house? It's Jason and Katie. They never came home last night. Oh? How terrible. I can only imagine. Yeah, I just wish there was something we could do. I recommend prayer, my dear. And soup, perhaps. Oh my God, Don, throw that thing away. Hello, my dear. It's Miss Godwin, honey. She she brought soup. That's just, thank you, Miss Godwin, but, but if you don't mind. Oh, I understand. I just wanted to give you this, Sarah. What, a little box? It's what is this? Worry dolls, my dear. Oh, I know that sounds silly, but they may comfort you. I don't understand. Worry dolls, you whisper your worries to them and they take your cares away. See how tiny they are. I make them myself. Oh, well, that's nice of you, but, but please. Ah, yes, I'm leaving, my dear. Just know that my thoughts are with you. What a lunatic. Oh, oh, Don, look. She dressed two of them like Jason and Katie. Oh, oh uh, put this away. Put it somewhere. I'll never find it. Mommy, Mommy, can you see us? Of course, honey. Give it to me. Dad, Mom, we're right here. You'll never have to see it again. Mommy, <laughs> it's it so hurts. bad. No, it Dad, hurts. don't please. Don't. <laughs> Thank you.
Tulpa by Jack J. Ward. Who's there? Celeste? What are you doing here? Turn on the light! I can't see you! Celeste, how, how'd you get in here? How'd I get... I live here. Who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> Stop joking, Celeste. Where's Brandon? What do you mean, where's Brandon? You know where Brandon is, Celeste. Uh, how'd you get in here anyway? D don't come any closer! D okay, okay, take it easy. I'll call the police. Look, look, just put the knife down, okay? Why's the table set? For Brandon! He'll be here. Any minute. He's gotta be. I've been waiting so long. Okay, okay. Listen to me, Cell. You're confused. You left Bran weeks ago. What? No. Stay back! Okay, okay. I'm not going anywhere, okay? Can you just, just put down the knife and we'll talk? We don't have anything to talk about. Go! Now! I told you! Brandon will be here any minute! Brandon, I... I know why Brandon isn't here. I know why he hasn't come. Where is he? Did, did you... Did you do something to him? If you hurt no, him... No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Listen, I'm just going to sit down and we can talk. Okay? Okay. You don't have to put down the knife. What's this? Salmon Yalfalasuda, the fruits of contemplative life, the essence of Nirmitha? I don't know. They're Brandon's, I guess. He never, never told me about them. I never knew he was into Buddhism. Celeste, you need to think. When did you last see Brandon? I don't know. I just woke up and, and he was gone and, and I miss him so much. So do I. Where is he? He's gone, Sal. Like six days now. Gone? No. He was just... I mean, he was just here. He's gone, Sal. Where? Where? Gone. No. No. No, that's not possible. How? When he found out about you and me. You... I don't even know who you are! Cell, honey, we live together. We have for two weeks. You moved out of here like a month ago. Remember, I, I came back from overseas after my tour, and, and things weren't going well with Bran, and we... Oh. No! Why are you lying to me? I never... I couldn't! I love Brandon, and, and he's coming back! He's coming back, and he's going to come through that door any minute, and... He's not, Celeste. He's not coming back. Oh, Look, what are you doing? It's okay. I'm just getting my phone. I'm going to play our answering machine for you. I'm going to call home, and you'll hear our voices. We recorded the answering machine when you moved in. I, I'd show you pictures, but you know I hate taking pictures on my phone. I don't know anything about you. Okay, just let me dial, okay? I'll hit speaker, and you'll hear. Hello? 
Celeste? <gasps> Jeremy! What are you trying to do? Creep me out? You know I hate it when you don't say anything on the phone. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Where are you? Where am I? <laughs> Should I ask what you're wearing? Is this going to be one of those phone calls again? I... 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 <laughs> Who is that on the phone? I hate to break the mood, lover, but I'm down in the laundry room doing a second load. Not exactly a perfect time for a sexy call. Uh, lover? Jeremy, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. Who is that on the phone? I, um... Could you maybe pick up some Chinese tonight? I'm just beat, and... Who is that with you? Who is that on the phone? Look, I gotta call you back. Who are you talking Just to? Just someone here. I'll call you right back. Bye. Who was that? That... That's... It's Celeste. I'm Celeste. I'm Celeste! I don't understand how this is happening. Why won't Brandon come home? He's gonna be home anytime. And when he gets here, he'll make you leave, and then we can be together, and everything will be perfect. Will be perfect. It, it is. Is perfect. It's perfect now, and it will just stay that way. Who are you? You need to leave. You need to go. I came here to start packing Brandon's things. No! I'll call the police. They'll stop you. Brandon will be here. He's not coming. Don't you understand? He died a week ago. No! No, it's not true! It's not true! It's not true! Brandon! Wait a minute. Just... Just wait a minute. You said you don't know about these books. What has that got to he do He was telling me something. Something before he... Before he... He was angry, and I can understand. But Cell... She left. And he didn't think that... Brandon, where are you? Why aren't you home? I'm so scared without you. He just... He said that she wouldn't leave. He wouldn't be alone. Please leave. Brandon will be here. He said that he was... Wait a minute. It says here, Tulpas are magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought. It is a materialized thought that has taken physical form physical form. I've asked you to leave. Why don't you leave? Can't you see? I just want to wait till Brandon gets home. I'll make him dinner and everything. Everything will be all right. Celeste, there's only one way any of this makes sense. What? You're not here. What do you mean, I'm not here? I mean, you're at my place, our place, doing laundry, and I'm not talking to you right now. Brandon, where are you? Why don't you come home? He's dead, Celeste. He died. He took his own life, and God help me, I'm going to feel guilty for the rest of my life because of it. Because I loved him, and I couldn't stop him or be here when he needed me. And if, if Celeste is at home waiting for me, there's really only one thing that makes any sense, and it's impossible, but it's the only thing. Why don't I f feel right? Because Brandon did love you, Celeste. 
He loved you so much that when he heard about the ancient Tibetan belief in tulpas, magical creations, you know, I read about them once. The, the monks believed that if you focused long enough and hard enough... Where did you say Brandon is? You can create an object or being out of pure wanting. And that's what Brandon wanted more than anything, Celeste. I made dinner for when he'll get home. He wanted things to work out with you. And when they couldn't... Brandon? Brandon, where are you? Where are you? He thought you up. But even a tulpa can't exist if it's not being thought about. And maybe it took you a little too long to materialize. Maybe, maybe by the time he had thought you into existence, the perfect life with Celeste, he had given up. Hello? Celeste. Yeah? I'm here. What's up? Nothing. I just... I wanted to hear your voice. <laughs> you pick up Chinese yet? No. No, I'm still at Branton's place. You okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. Um, Celeste. Uh-huh? You loved Brandon, right? <sighs> Jeremy, what... I mean, you really loved him once. Didn't you? Yeah. I really did. But don't be upset about no, it. No, no, I'm not upset. Actually, I'm I'm kind of glad. Glad? Yeah. I think we all deserve a little happiness. Don't you? Jeremy, maybe you should pack up later. I told you, if I could go there, I would have before, but... Ghosts. I... <laughs> no, I remember... Too many memories for you, too. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll have to wait until another day. The apartment's paid up till the end of the month. Good idea. Come home, okay? I miss you. I miss you, too. So, Chinese, aren't you going to make dinner for me? <laughs> you know I hate cooking. <laughs> I forgot. I'll see you soon. Love you. I love you, too. And now, the third place winner in our Flash Horror Script competition, The Mask, by Stephen McIver. Faces, the same faces, all day, every day, I see the same faces. I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, and I see my own face. It's the only one that I recognize. The doctor told me when I was very young that everyone had different faces, but I knew he was lying to me. His face was the same as everyone else's. Everyone else is the same person, but not me. 
No one recognizes that I am different. Not my family, not my co-workers. I have no friends. I can't trust people who are all the same person. Different clothes, different hair, different skin. Same faces, glasses, piercings, facial hair. Disguises that people wear. I walk the streets all alone with the rest of the world. I stand out like red against white, but nobody notices me. I go to the corner coffee shop and give my order to the foreign dignitaries at the counter. The news anchors prepare my coffee, and the president calls out to me when it's ready. Order up! I take it and head to work. It is adequate. The trains are down this morning. I attempt to hail a cab, but they sense that I am not one of them, so they do not stop for me. I am walking then. I should make I it just no on time. Oh, jeez, I'm so sorry, bro. I, I just looked down at my phone for a second. I, it's, it's fine. They didn't do a, a good job of uh, making it today. Uh, I should have been paying more attention. His face. Uh, what's wrong? It can't be. Are you okay, buddy? Uh, yeah, just fine. So sorry. He was like me. He had a different face. He wasn't one of everyone else. No, impossible. He must have been wearing a mask. A mask in order to stand out like me. A mask with narrow eyes, hollow cheeks, an unkempt mustache, and a bulging nose. God, what a disgusting mask it was. There you are. Mark has been freaking out. You're 20 minutes late for the presentation. That mask. Well, I have to say, with these bleak projections and your lack of punctuality, I am frankly concerned. That mask. Sorry, but you know how these things work. Unfortunately, it looks like we'll have to let you go. That mask. Hey, it's been three weeks. You either have your rent by Monday or you're out of here. Ah, that horrible, repugnant, odious mask. It's all I think about every time I close my eyes. That mask. I am all alone on the street now. That masked man has taken everything from me. It still haunts my dreams. No one will have anything to do with me anymore, saying that I need help, that I've become obsessed. But they never saw that mask. That vile, hideous, loathsome mask. If I ever see that man again... That metal band from Italy, but they have opera singing and orchestra with it. It's pretty sick. <sighs> what? Sweet prescience. No, 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 I'll be there in it's about ten him. minutes. I'm cutting I through the alley I can see his mask walnut. shining in the light oh, from okay. his phone. Okay. It's time I paid him back for all the kindness he gave me. Uh, oh, whoa, what the, what the... You took it from me! I took what, man? I, I don't even know you! You took everything! There it is. That mask. I, I have to remove it. If I take it off, then he'll be the same as everyone else again. Come on. What a peculiar mask. It isn't held on by a string or a rubber band. It must be one of those professional ones that sticks on. This should make quick work of it. 
I will have this mask off him. The work is done. It looks even more foul just holding it in my hands. But now he looks just like everyone else. And everybody but me, of course. Alert eyes, perfect smile, rich, rosy cheeks. But <laughs> what a peculiar adhesive he used to keep it on. It doesn't seem to stick to anything else. All it does is stain my clothes red. Zechariah 1864 by Richard Hand Thank you for the tea. It was most refreshing. It is a good way to clear the head. Important on these occasions. Shall we begin? Yes, I, I think we're ready now. David? Oh, uh, yes, uh, I think so. You both seem rather diffident. Are you sure you want to proceed? The spirit world is never to be played with. Uh, no, it's fine. I, I'm just not sure what to expect. <laughs> I may describe a vivid picture. Someone may speak through me. On very rare occasions, you may have an olfactory manifestation. You mean we might actually smell something? It's very rare, but can happen. Uh, might we actually see anything? Extremely unlikely. Extremely rare to get that level of manifestation. I'll be honest, I've never had that happen in one of my sessions, and I've been doing this work for 38 years. In fact, I think physical manifestation may be a complete myth. Anyway, in short, a lot might occur, but there again, maybe nothing at all. Well... We've paid you for either possibility, and you've made it clear there are no refunds, so <laughs> let's proceed. <laughs> Mr. Jones, I do hope you're not a cynic when it comes to my powers. On more occasions than I care to remember, I have been in situations where there is a cynic in the room. Cynics with more interest in discrediting me and my powers than in the secrets of the afterlife they ostensibly paid me to unlock. <sighs> I apologize. Rest assured, my wife and I both believe in worlds beyond, wholeheartedly. Good. Let's clear the table. So, remind me again whom we are aiming to contact. Uh, a distant relation of mine, on my grandfather's side. Show Bernadette the photo. Uh, of course. Uh, here you go. He was a soldier in the Civil War. He was on the side of the Confederates. The uniform shows he was a private, but that's all we seem to know. We're not even sure which state, but probably Upper South more than Deep South, we think. Uh, we've checked birth and death records, but always seem to hit a dead end. 
A handsome young fellow, proud in his uniform. We think he looks about 19. Yes, if that. Just a boy. Do we have a name? Oh, if you look at the back of the photo? Hmm. Scribbled in lead pencil, Jones, and then a cross, and the year 1864. Yes, just the family name, my family name, Jones. No Christian name. We've always assumed the cross and the year mean that he died in 1864. Seems more than likely. As you can imagine, just having the family name has made it difficult to get a lead on him. There were an awful lot of Joneses killed in the Civil War. Yes. Poor troubled souls. Sorry? When I meet soldiers from the Civil War, they tend to be perturbed, sometimes confused, always think that Civil War must be the cruelest type of all wars, divisive, self-destructive, tearing one's own nation apart. So why are we seeking out this young man 150 years since he passed? It's for a little bit of closure, really. Um, it's been one of those family stories for generations, and my parents were always desperate to know more, but even my grandfather could never be persuaded to open up about it. You know how it is. What was evidently painful family trauma for decades, never to be spoken of, becomes history, and then it becomes a family anecdote, a matter of pride, something quaint even. But at risk of being forgotten. That's what always hurts. Those that have passed, most of all, being forgotten. And that's why we want to find out more. Now keep the memory alive. Wear it like a medal. Very well. Let's try and track down young Private Jones. Looking for a Private Jones. Can anyone help me find a young sol soldier from the South, a private in the Confederate Army called Jones? Still nothing. We've been a couple of hours now. I know. She is nothing if not tenacious. I don't know about her, but I think I'm fading. I, I'm exhausted. Jones! Young fellow! Private rank! Died 1864. Uh, I'm sorry, Bernadette. Uh, I need to stop. I can't go... Hush! Yes! I can see him. The boy in the photograph. He's holding his rifle. His face is pouring with sweat. He's been in battle. Oh, my Lord, I can smell sulfur. Gunpowder. You're right. Gunpowder? Burning wood? Fire? Are you Private Jones? Jones! Private Jones! <gasps> He's walking toward me. <gasps> David! David! I can see him! M me too! In the corner! He's there. Bernadette. Bernadette. Oh, her eyes are closed. She's unconscious. Uh, I'm Jones. Who wanted Jones? 
Oh. Who are you? I'm talking to you. I'm Joni. Joni Jones. This is my husband, David Jones. What's your name? I told you. Private Jones. You're the ones that have been hollering out to me. I'm Jones. Private Zachariah Jones. Zachariah. Where did you come from? From 2014. The year is 2014. No. This is 1864. They're about to start shooting again. I'm about to die. Shot in the head. Buried in the mud. Any minute now. This is 2014, and this is David. He's related to you. Really? You know, there is a resemblance. Yes, Zachariah, there is, isn't there? He kind of looks like my pa. Really? Another thing like my pa. What's that? Don't like to say much, does he? Keeps his peace when he should speak up. Talk to him, David. Uh, Hello, Zachariah. So, you're my kin. Does this mean I, I ain't been forgotten? No, Zachariah. We've tracked you down. I felt alone for the longest time. And all I do is relive this moment. The last minutes of my life again and again and again. The battle, the few minutes reprieve, the repeat attack, blood, blast, and fury. The one that kills me. Shot in the head, buried in the mud, any minute now. And then I wake up in the battle again. Oh my God. No peace? No peace ever? None that I've seen yet. But I'll tell you something. What's that? It's good to have company. I have to relive this moment. But at least I can talk to you in between times. What year did you say you're in? 2014? Uh, You can tell me everything uh, about what happens next, uh, how the war ends, and about the family, David, uh, where we go, what we do. Uh, Sure I can. Uh, Lots we can tell you, Zach. Zach. Hmm. That's what my pa always called me. You two really are alike. Oh no. Any minute now. Shot in the head. Buried in the mud. This this is terrifying. What do we do? It won't hurt you. Just me. You see, you're in 2014 and I'm in 1864. Oh, oh, no! Zachariah! I'm back. I'm fine. Does does it hurt? It hurts like hell. Every single time. 
So tell me more. Uh, tell me everything. I I can't do this. You no, know, neither can I. Uh, tell me, David. Uh, who wins the war? I've been waiting 150 years to find out. Where'd they put my body? What happened to Paul? Oh, oh no. Any minute now. Shot in the head. Buried in the mud. What can we do? Wake up Bernadette. Oh, she's out of it. Slap her, punch her away, anything. No, talk to me. It's not so bad. The shots can't hurt you, just me. I know it's noisy and all, but... (gasps) Bernadette, wake up! Uh, I'm back. I always come back. Bernadette, wake up! No, let me stay. I want to talk to you. Please, please. (laughs) What? What is it? Did he speak to you? Oh, don't betray me. Close it. Close it down. We beg you to close it down. Was contact made? Yes. But not for long. Just what you described. You could see the boy in the photograph. I hope you learned all you needed to. You heard his name and and said it to us. Nothing else. His name was Zachariah. Oh, good. Zachariah. A fine name. And that's all we wanted to know. His name. I'll write it on the back of the photograph. The rest can be forgotten. Orpheus by Deborah Hyatt (laughs) Orpheus, you loving fool, running down that steep descent. Instrument in hand, you ran laughing as you went. What made you go? What were you thinking running into darkness? Did you long for the feel of the warm summer breeze? Or the sight of the sun in the shimmering trees? Or was Eurydice alone your light, ever bright and leading? Tell me, Orpheus, what drove you on? Did you shiver with cold inside your own heart? Mourn a lost love and dread a lost art? Or did Eurydice remain your muse, love's bond impossible to part? What kept you going down that dark road? Did you worry at songs like a dog with a bone, struggle for notes for words that had flown? Or was it your wife's imagined lament that filled your mind and led you on? What made you struggle so? Ah! Orpheus! Folly led you into darkness. 
Did you think that your music and your grief could bend the rules of life and death, gain from the Lord of the Underworld some genuine respect? <laughs> of course. Those other gods had promised, had they not? Apollo had whispered in your ear, go, and so. Down into the underworld you ran, challenged death, and claimed your wife. You would bring her back to life. Back to sunlight on your faces, to heated flesh and blood that races, to sweat and births and meals of meat, to wine and shouting in the street, to laughing with your rescued love, safe in your arms in the world above. <sighs> Ah, the world above. Tell me, Orpheus, of your ascent. Tell me how you strode along, your wife behind and silent. Were you listening for each step she made, eager for her sweet embrace, as it had been before the grave? Huh? What memories were you chasing in your quickening climb to light? Eurydice's sunlit smile by day, her loving moans by night? Did you long to kiss her mouth and fill your eyes, to pump and pulse between her thighs? Was every upward step and slide filled with happy thoughts and sighs? Ever quicker, you ran up the twisted way, were you racing to restore your wife, or fearing the thing you were bringing to life? Uh, One uh, final rise to the light of day. Oh, uh, Orpheus, you were but a step away! Uh, the land of the living, a single stride, your loving wife just there behind. Tell me, Orpheus, what gave you pause? What made you stop? <laughs> what made you no! turn too soon? I'm Not Dead by Robert Arnold happening. It's happening, Richard. Believe it. Diana, you're, you're here. Of course I'm here, Richard. 
I'm right here, at rest next to you. They can't bury me. They, they can't. And yet here you are, underground, buried alongside your wife and your secrets. Diana, I never meant... I never... Your secrets, your lies. Even now there are so many things I don't know the truth about. I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything. Will you? Yes. But first, I have to get out of here. You can't. I have to. Richard, love, you can't. The air is already getting thinner. Don't you taste it? <gasps> Soon there won't be any oxygen left. You'll lose your strength. Then you'll asphyxiate. It will be a slow process, especially for you. Oh, God. So, tell me, with these last breaths, please. I... Yes. I'll tell you. It started with Howard. We're ready, sir. It started with Howard, that poor, pitiful, loyal soul. The incantation is holding... There appears to be no way for her to break free, though certainly she's been trying. How my parents would grieve if they saw the way I treated him, if they knew what I had asked him to do. She's downstairs, sir, and, sir, she's been asking for you. Asking for me, Howard? What do you mean? Just that, sir, asking for you by name. Well, in that case, let's give her what she wants, shall we? Yes, sir. Shouldn't we close the door? It, it isn't the door that's keeping her here, sir. This way. Just there, sir. She's inside the circle. Well, it's, it's empty. Well, she, she was here, sir. Right here, lying on the ground like a, like a pile of rags. I, uh, <coughs> Howard? <coughs> Howard, you all right? Howard! God! Not God. So, you've escaped. You've freed yourself. No. I am not free, Richard Carrington. I cannot cross the threshold of this chamber. But I will have the satisfaction of devouring you and your little manservant. Devouring you from the inside. You won't. <laughs> At least not if you ever want to leave this room. You see, I know the rules. You will release me, Meat Sack. I will, yes. But only if you help me first. <laughs> Others have attempted to bargain with me, Richard Carrington. They regretted it. This bargain will cost you nothing and will win you your freedom from me. Hear me out. I know you possess immense power. I ask you only for a small portion of it. Not for me, for my family. Family. Yes. A wife. I can smell her. 
And she is with child, is she not? She is our first. Perhaps I will begin by snacking on the infant and a moose-bouche before the main course. No! You will not harm them. In fact, you will do the opposite. You will provide for them. In what way? My family, my wife and son, I want them to have everything their hearts desire. Every last thing, as long as it is wished for purely and honestly. I'm not asking for myself. Only for the two of them. I cannot turn meat sacks into gods, Richard Carrington. It is not allowed. I know, but they don't need to be gods. They, they don't need anything beyond what can be attributed to providence, to, to happenstance. They must not know they possess this power. It must remain hidden if it is discovered or recognized it will be eliminated all right i'll agree to those terms then release me richard carrington and release your family to the fate you have chosen for them yes i release you i break the talisman you are freed Howard! Howard, are you all right? It worked, Howard, it worked. Are you all right? But he wasn't all right. How could he be after... after that? But we had accomplished our mission, the one we'd worked on in secret for so many months. It was done. I remember seeing you that night when you came upstairs... You had the strangest look on your face. Haunted, but elated. Do you remember what you said to me? I said, Everything will be all right, Diana. You don't have to worry. Not ever again. And for a while, it seemed like that might be true, didn't it? Ah, uh, yes, ma'am. It's this year's model, and I realize the price is unheard of, but the sellers are very motivated. What can I say? I've never seen a portfolio perform like this. It's incredible. A pile-up, ma'am. Bad one. Lucky you didn't come along any sooner. You would have been right in the middle of it. But you couldn't help it. You still worried. Love, it's Howard. I feel bad for him. He just isn't the same. The man's been hurt, Diana. He's lucky to be able to walk. I know. But it's more than that. Ever since his fall down the stairs, he seems distant. Like he's in a dream. I just... Yes? I just wish he could be happy again. And so he was. Good morning, madam. Why, Howard, you seem in high spirits. Has the pain lessened today? I'm afraid not, madam. But I will make the best of things. And so it went. Problem by problem, everything falling into place. Even... Seven pounds, eight ounces, Mrs. Carrington. An extremely healthy baby boy. Bobby. He grew. And it was amazing. He was never sick, never even all that upset. I thought it was just his temperament, 
his good genes. You never suspected. How could I? How could I possibly guess what you had done? But you were happy, Diana, for a while? Yes, for a while. Diana? It's three o'clock, darling. Aren't you ready to get out of bed? But when you have everything you want, love, there's nothing left to live for. Are you hungry? I can have Howard make you something. All right. Diana, what is it? What do you want? Just tell me. I don't know what I want, Richard. I, I don't know. All I know is that I, I don't want this. I don't want any of it. And I don't want you. Diana, listen to me. Be careful. For heaven's sake, it's don't... It's true. I can't stand it anymore, Richard. The ease of it all. The, the perfection. What do you mean? Are, are you telling me your life is, is too good? I know it doesn't make sense. I know I should be happy. But sometimes I wish... Diana, listen to me. Sometimes I wish I were dead. No. <gasps> and that was it. An idle wish. But I suppose at that moment I did mean it. I should have told you. We already had everything. I could have ended it there. Told you and freed us all. Bobby. Yes, Bobby, who you poisoned against me. I had to. Don't you understand? I had to. I want to meet her. No, no, Bobby, you don't. Trust me, she's living overseas now, and she doesn't love you. Maybe she'll come home. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what we should both be most afraid of. And all the while, Howard withered and rotted... But he was still happy, wasn't he? Yes, even as he fell apart. Good evening, sir. Howard, my God, your face. Are those, are those sores? What's the matter? Why, nothing at all, sir. Doesn't it hurt? Oh, yes, sir, but I still make the best of things. It was ghastly. If only you had been more careful... I tried to get Bobby to make things right, but he never seemed to understand. All those years, there was a crack somewhere deep inside that man, a fissure, and it grew. Will you be needing anything else, sir? Pain, anger, anxiety, revulsion. They're just reactions, symptoms to tell us that something is wrong. All I did was erase the symptoms. Underneath... Something was still wrong. Well, Howard, what are we doing down here? Remembering, sir. Remembering that night all those years ago. Things changed that night, didn't they, sir? For both of us. Not for the better in your case, I'm afraid? Oh, I don't know, sir. To be honest, I've never felt happier. Howard, what are you doing? Where did you get a gun? I finally realized it, sir. I finally realized what would make me happiest of all. Howard! Howard, no!
so, it ended with Howard. Yes. And that's it. That's the whole story. Until you woke up here. Yes. I, I don't understand it. I, I must have been killed. The gunshot... I can help you with that part. They were saying goodbye to you, Richard. Not twenty minutes ago. Up above. Saying goodbye? Yes. Your funeral. And little Bobby by the graveside. It's not fair. Little Bobby. Sweet little Bobby. The only one left. It's not fair. The only pillar still standing in the ruins you made of our lives. And what did he want? Daddy shouldn't be dead. What did he want in his heart of hearts more than anything in this world? I don't want Daddy to be dead. I want him to be alive. No. I want Daddy to live forever. No. No. No! <laughs> second place winner in our flash horror script competition the comeback by richard hand thanks for coming patty you're looking good let's be honest neither of us are spring chickens anymore barry <laughs> well that's true I blame the job. Yes, a career in rock music isn't going to leave you without a few wrinkles, is it? And each one tells a tale, huh? <laughs> I can't tell you how weird it is being back in this studio. Really? Well, how so? It's been a long time, Barry. I used to love it, but the industry changed. My career died with vinyl. Digital was never going to be for me. But all credit to you, you've never given up. Not so much money in it anymore, but people still want music. Don't forget that. Good luck to you. For me, I love being retired. Read a lot, started writing my memoirs. Don't listen to music much, though. How can you leave it all behind? The world's changed, Barry. No, not for me. I'm going to be back on top. <laughs> The same old Barry. Look at all the platinum discs on the wall. I discovered most of these guys. You came along and ate them all up. Well, they outgrew you. I took them to the next level. With me, they went from selling thousands of records to millions. You never took any chances. You'd just see a winner and snap him up. You sound bitter. No, I'm not. I've got good memories. There'll be a parental advisory on my autobiography. <laughs> Seriously, I wouldn't want to be producing music now. But kudos, Barry. You've never given up. Well, that's why I wanted you to come here today, Patty. I've got something to show you. Oh, really? The next big thing? <laughs> yes, it is. But it's nothing new. Oh, boy, not one of the old guys. Yeah, the biggest comeback in the history of rock. Who are we talking about? The biggest star of them all. The one who made me a millionaire. You are kidding me. No, I'm not. 
Andrews recording again. Wow. <laughs> How on earth did you manage that? Well, I can be persuasive. You should know that. But he's a recluse. Hasn't sung or touched a guitar in years, let alone written anything. Well, he's back. We've been recording. I'm impressed. I don't think anyone will have forgotten how we left the music business, spitting venom, especially at you. <laughs> Blamed you for everything. The music press loved it. Well, he's matured now. Lucky for you. No, he has. He understands. It took some persuading, admittedly, but he understands. We're working together, and I'll be rich again. It was never about the art for you, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I left the art to the small fry, like you. Meow, Barry. Meow. Uh, I've worked him hard. Improved him. What do you mean? A bit of enhancement. On the mixing desk? That's no surprise. Uh, no, 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 no. A bit more direct than that. Some surgical things. You mean Andrews had a bit of nip and tuck? <laughs> That's hilarious. Deeper than that. I had his larynx fixed and the tendons in his hands. Physically, he's exactly like he was at his prime. That's insane. How did he agree to that? He had very little choice. The rewiring helped. What? Rewired his brain to unleash his creativity. Oh, <laughs> I get it. It's a joke. Nice one. You got me. Well, you can see for yourself. He's here. Andrew's here? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you say I'd love to see him? He wanted you to be the first to hear his new material. Didn't trust my opinion. Wanted you. Oh, isn't that rich? You see, Barry, that's always been your problem. What? What do you mean? All your platinum discs and the money you once had and the stars you bought cannot hide one simple fact. You have no ear for music. Don't ever say that. Come with me, now. Uh, this is going to be his great comeback. Get in there. Get in there now. Here you are, Andrew. Here's your precious patty. Play her your song, Andrew. Play it. It's good, right? The kids will buy it, won't they? Tell me it's good! Rocky Springs by Leslie Barker. One October night, when I was a teenager, my buddies and I went to Rocky Springs to camp for the weekend. Rocky Springs was a little off the beaten path in nowhere, Mississippi. You get the feeling that maybe it used to be something beautiful, but now it's just a bunch of cavernous gullies and some rocks in a creek bed. There's a hill with an old church sitting right at the brink of its cliff with a graveyard hiding behind it. It was our favorite place, maybe because when we were there, we felt like we'd found the edge of the world. 
That Friday night, we roasted marshmallows and talked about girls and drank cheap beer that my older brother bought for us. Matthew played his guitar. Wild Horses! Was the only song he could play. But he swore. The girls love it. Mostly Philip talked about his breakup with Jessica. She was a cheerleader, the smallest one, so they always put her on top of the pyramid. She and Philip had started fighting all the time. On account of the fact that the male cheerleaders get to look up her skirt, <laughs> but she never lets me do it. <laughs> I didn't have too much to add to the conversation. I'd only ever given a tiny corner of my heart to a girl. To Anna, with the short skirt and the innocent smile. And that was only because her brown eyes demanded it. Well, soon enough... The marshmallows ran out. And so did our patients for listening to Philip whine about Jessica. Matthew decided... We should sneak into the graveyard. But Philip protested... No way, man! We can't be in the graveyard at night! Are you crazy? That graveyard was perfectly peaceful when the sun was shining. Just a bunch of souls sleeping under the Spanish moss. But when the sun sank into those gullies, and the moon slipped into place between the stars, the graveyard caught every shadow, and they danced like they were trying to break free. If you ask me, there should never be that much life in a graveyard. But Matthew was a reckless soul, without much regard for can'ts and shouldn'ts. So we stuffed our coat pockets with a couple of beers, followed the flashlight beams up the hill, and ran past the church to the graveyard. As soon as we got to the gate, I froze. Crazy as it sounds. I believe the ground reached up and grabbed my ankles. I couldn't move. Matthew never slowed down. Come on, Philip. Let's go find you a new girlfriend. I bet a ghost will let you look up her skirt. Philip reluctantly ran close behind him, <sighs> so he could look brave. Matthew let out a howl. Oh! And they disappeared into those dancing shadows, leaves crunching beneath their feet. The wind sounded different than it ever had before. Like a woman singing the saddest song. So soft, you could barely hear it. Jonathan! Come on, man! Where'd you go? Stop playing around, I can't find you! I just stood there and let that voice sing to me for a minute. But before I knew it, the wind didn't sound like wind at all anymore. The voice got louder and the song got sadder. I wanted to know whose lips all that sorrow was bleeding from. I needed to find her, to save her. My feet weren't stuck in the dirt and leaves anymore. Now, they had a mind of their own, and they were leading me straight into that old church. There was a single candle burning at the pulpit, and that helpless voice echoed between the cracks of the wooden walls. And there were other voices, whispers. My clumsy feet pushed me all the way down the center aisle of that church until I was standing right in front of that lone candle. And my hands clutched an old hymnal whose pages were turning wildly while it sang the most familiar song. I tried my best to keep the pages still to see which song it was. The pages were blank, but only for a moment. Words began scrolling across those empty pages like someone was scribbling them with ash and fire. My name is Sarah Jane, and this is my story. The words on my pages were written by the ghosts of this town. This town was so beautiful before it eroded away and sunk into gullies. Sometimes, if you walk through that hollow creek bed, you can hear the ones who disappeared with the dirt. 
gasping for air, or sobbing for their home that was eaten by cracks and crevices. I drew my last breath the moment the spring dried up. It cried for years, trying to stay alive. But sometimes even tears run out. My tears were for Thomas Jenkins. I loved Thomas, and Thomas loved the graveyard. Every night he would sing to all the wounded souls beneath the ground. If you asked him what he was playing, he'd say, Just calming the ghosts, playing them lullabies so they can sleep, and waltzes so they can remember what love feels like. Those ghosts would dance to mend their shattered souls, he would play the fiddle for their broken hearts and the banjo for their broken bones. One night, I followed him to the graveyard. I thought I would hide in the shadows just to watch him play that lonesome old fiddle. But the moon must have been furious that night. It was bright orange and burned like whiskey on fire. There was no place to hide. Sarah Jane, what are you doing here? I was hoping you'd choose me to dance with instead of those ghosts. You ain't got no business being here. Get on home before you get the ghosts all riled up. I'm doing my best to keep them calm. Thomas Jenkins, I'm here to proclaim my love for you in front of those rowdy ghosts and that fiery moon and... Sarah I Jane, you don't know what you're asking for. I offered my hand to Thomas for a dance. Sure enough, one of those ghosts took it and spun me into a waltz. He jangled with the sound of bones and broken bottles and burned my skin just by looking at me. He laughed as he tossed me through the graveyard. Sarah Jane! Help me, Thomas! I'm trying! They say that you can dance to the rhythm that your heart is beating. By the time that dance was through, the cadence of my heart was stolen and beaten in the chest of that crooked old ghost. After all those years of saving it for Thomas, it was gone. And so was the spring and this town. Restless souls can never be satisfied. When the dead come back to claim a town, the life just sinks into dust and clay. <laughs> I'm in the graveyard. Come find me. Help me dance again. Just one more waltz. Her face was sketched in the pages of that old hymnal. Between the songs and prayers, she was so beautiful, and she started singing with the wind again. But this time, she had a whole choir of lonely ghosts singing with her. If you believe there's longing in the voices of the living, you should hear the hymns of the dead. I stumbled out of that church to save Sarah Jane. There were no more footsteps over leaves, but the echo of distant screams. Screams that had traveled too far to be taken back. The ground beneath me was pulsing like a bass drum, a little offbeat. And there, in the light of a fallen flashlight, was Philip. His chest gaping open as his heartbeat bled into the earth, 
Frantically, I began to look for Matthew. Matthew! Matthew! No answer, except for a wild rhythm pumping through the soles of my feet. With the energy of a hi-hat and a snare, it grew louder and louder, like wild horses running for their lives, and I knew that Matthew's heart must be beating somewhere outside of his chest. The furious whiskey moon slipped its fingers straight through the hole in Matthew's lifeless body, and when that fire in his chest went out, everything went silent. And there she was. Dance with me. She was as beautiful as starlight and hope. Dance with me. I tried running, but I never stood a chance. I'll teach you how to waltz, how to love. I'll sing the sweetest songs you ever heard right into your ear. And she did. Sarah Jane pulled me into her waltz with the tenderness of a prayer and the fierceness of a tornado. I had only ever given a tiny corner of my heart to a girl, and she took the rest without a blink or apology. But instead of leaving me there, bleeding out into the autumn dirt, she stitched me back together with a pine needle and a strand of her golden hair. You have the biggest heart, my boy. I could see it there, terrified, pounding in her fragile hands. That one there? She pointed to Philip. His heart was broken. He gave too much away. A pretty girl somewhere must be holding all the missing pieces. Jessica. Oh, yes. He was still crying for her when he took his last breath. But look how peaceful he is now. No more tears. Sometimes even tears run out. And that one there she pointed to Matthew. His heart was too reckless. I could never dance to a rhythm that wild. A boy like that doesn't last long in this world. A boy like that burns out hard and fast. But he went with a howl and a fight. <laughs> Hear it? He's still fighting. But yours, your heart, Beats a perfect waltz. It is the one I will dance to between the moonlight and the shadows. And with a gust of wind, she was gone. We went to Rocky Springs that night together as three, a pack of hopeful young wolves looking for some trouble in the moonlight. I left as one. I left Matthew and Philip there in that graveyard at the edge of the world. I left the only woman I would ever give my whole heart to. I left with a chest pierced with pine needles and secrets I shuddered to even whisper. I left alone, sent to wander the rest of my days without a rhythm to dance to or a heart to love with. first place winner in our flash horror script competition, The Hole by Joy Bishop. Jim, you didn't close the cabinet door all the way. Sorry, 
I'll get it when I finish eating. You know how I hate it when a cabinet door isn't closed all the way. Fine. I'll close it now. Did you just slam that cabinet door? Well, why should I have to interrupt my lunch just to close that stupid door? That's enough, Jim. You need to write a note to the hole. Mama, I am 23 years old. Don't you think I'm a bit too old for that? You are never too old to learn how to contain your anger. If your father You've was... told me the story a thousand times. Dad drank, got angry, lost jobs, hit you, drank some more, then died. I'm sorry for you, Mama. But don't you see that writing down angry thoughts and burying them in a hole in the backyard isn't healthy? I disagree. You were always so well behaved and... All you've done is suppress the anger. All those years. It has to come out sometime. And it frightens me, what might be in that hole. That's ridiculous. All that's in that hole are little crumpled up pieces of paper. I don't see Oh, how... there's much more than that in there, Mama. Over 18 years of frustration and anger and rage. Because you wouldn't let me be a full human being. Those hundreds of pieces of paper are feelings. Perfectly normal, valid feelings, Mama. That have been shredded and then disposed of like trash. What has not been allowed to grow in me is now growing in that hole. It's dangerous. I can feel it. Now, Jim, that is just plain silly. We'll go out to the hole and I'll prove it to you. Come on. That's really not a good idea. You're... you're being so... Ah, here it is. See, it's just a silly, stupid hole. Don't say that, Mama. A worthless, insignificant, meaningless hole. What? What is that sound? What are you writing on that piece of paper? I told you not to come out here. I told you not to say anything about the hole. Oh, what is it? What's happening? This is the last angry thought I will put in the hole, Mama. Here, read it to me. Jim, it says, kill mother. <sighs> there, I threw it in the hole, just like you always wanted, Mama. <laughs> I tried to warn you, Mama, but you wouldn't listen. You never do. I no longer have control. No, son, please help me. Ah! <laughs> Finally, I am free. Wait! Oh, what are you doing? No, no, not me! Please, not me! Ah! have been listening to a live Halloween broadcast by Chatterbox Audio Theater. Tonight's stories were written by Deborah Hyatt, Jack J. Ward, Stephen McIver, Richard Hand, Robert Arnold, Leslie Barker, and Joy Bishop. The performance featured the voices of Robert Arnold, Jane Harris, Kenan Keplinger, Bonnie Corvellis, Greg Crossness, Mandy Martin, Ross Williams, and Zach Williams with special appearances by Brooks Eichner, Nora James Eichner, and Bill Short. Practical sound effects by Joe Carolino and Chris Jowers. 
Digital Sound Effects by Eric Sefton. Music by Sherry Hughes. Special thanks to Karen Strawn, Kim Justice, and Justin Willingham. The show was stage managed by Emily Cost. It was produced by Eric Sefton and directed by Robert Arnold. The mission of Chatterbox Audio Theater is sparking imaginations through outstanding theatrical recordings. Download our shows, meet our cast and crew, and make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheater.org. Yeah, I can see you. Look like you held up pretty well. 
Certainly didn't go hungry out there. Well, couch jockeys didn't make it very far. Man, I must be hallucinating. Why's that, Hawk? I didn't think I'd be interviewed on the radio from a treehouse in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you were in Scranton, you said, right? Heard the town was raised by the military. Well, I guess it got lowered again. Uh, no, I mean raised as in leveled. Oh, yeah. Well, then you're pretty much right about that. It it's just a wreck. There are pocket camps in the hills here and there, but mainly monsters. Well, we're pleased that you made it through, man. Just lots of monsters. Uh, so, thanks. What do I do now? You know, when I set up the shelters over the winter, I didn't really think about the following spring. But, uh, don't worry, we got options. You got a good place to hang out for a day or so until we figure something out. But I promise you, we'll get you to a better place. You heard me talking about HG World, right? Well, it's about 4.5 clicks northeast of your position. <laughs> you can probably see them better than I can from where you are. Oh, yeah! A bunch of lens flares from the roof of a big warehouse, like people flashing the sun off mirrors or maybe metal plates. Hi, guys! Um, maybe this is important and maybe you already know this, but the valley to the west, roundabout where 66 meets 322, it's clogged with zombies, man. I, I climbed the mountain to avoid it, but about 20 of them managed to get up to the utility road and are wandering around, wandering around down below me. Originally, there were about 50, but I just gave them something of a shower and that made them fight the scent off each other. Really? Putting your scent on and made them kill each other? Oh yeah, especially now since food is scarce. They track by scent more than anything else, and when you drop waste on them, they think the meat is fresh. Before they realize it, they've torn the zombie apart. Huh. I can't tell you how many times they saved our lives on the road. <laughs> Imagine that. Savior of mankind might be the great big potty gun. Food for thought, anyhow. Or the other end. Anyway, when you say clogged by zombies, uh, what do you mean? I mean the highway from the northwest looked like Beaver Stadium after the blue and white game. I didn't really see how big it was until I was halfway up the mountain. But, man. And you say that about 50 managed to follow you up the mountain? Yeah. There were a lot of them on the access roads. Once they catch the scent of your man funk, they can track you for miles. Alright, listen, I'm gonna kill the AM feed just to save juice, but I'd like to talk to you some more if you don't mind. Hey man, I've been solo for the last four months. I doubt anybody else made it this far along. Well, you're a strong second, but we'll get to that eventually. Okay, folks, I'll be calling in some favors, looks like. If you got any ideas how we can get our new neighbor, Mr. Van Hawkins, in from the wild, send us a note on the Coconut Telegraph and we'll ponder it over. Say, Hawk, you got any music on you? Sure. I've got my player. What's on it? I don't know. Some jazz, some smooth sounds, some oldies. Got any CCR? CCR? No, man. No. <laughs> we'll try this one on for size. In honor of our new friend Hawk, here's John Fogarty telling y'all about the old man down the road.